We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spurs Up Show presented by the Armchild Americans. I'm your host, Chris Phillips, joined as always by my co-host, Thomas Floyd. We're going to break down everything that happened on Saturday with the Gamecocks. Loss to the Kentucky Wildcats, fifth straight loss to Kentucky. Also preview the Gamecocks game against Missouri. South Carolina returns home to the friendly confines of Williams-Brice Stadium. We'll break that game down in full. We've also got a special interview with Brendan Anthony of the Mazodcast, number one Missouri podcast on the internet that joins us, uh, which reminds me to let you guys know if you're not subscribed yet, I'm not sure what you're doing. The Spurs Up Show is the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet by far. So please be sure to go online, rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up Show on iTunes, the Stitcher app. Really, wherever you consume your media, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there, the Spurs Up Show. Um, Also, be sure to check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, at the Spurs Up Show. Also, Armchair South Carolina is on Twitter and Instagram, at Armchair S Car. We're also on Facebook as, as Armchair South Carolina. And, of course, again, this is a podcast presented to you by the Armchair All-Americans, so please be sure to go check us out, armchairallamericans.com, for all of your latest breaking Gamecock news coverage, of course, the show, but also everything else we cover. We, we cover everything from collegiate to professional sports, esports, fantasy, gambling. It's a really hot place to be right now with the MLB playoffs getting in swing, NFLs in full force, obviously college football. So please be sure to go check us out, armchairallamericans.com. It also reminds me to tell you, uh, if you haven't done so yet, go over to MyBookie. Uh, our friends over at MyBookie.ag, they sponsor the show. Uh, be sure to go there if you haven't done so yet. Obviously, we're in the full swing of football. Um, again, the MLB playoffs, like I mentioned, be sure to go create your account. If you haven't done so, start gambling today. And when you do, use the promo code SPURS25 to get your first deposit of up to $1,000 match. And they'll also give you an extra 25 bucks for using that promo code. Again, that's SPURS25. And be sure to go to mybookie.ag, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.ag. Remember, mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, like I said, I'm going to welcome back my co-host, Tom. Tom, it's great to have you back on. How was your weekend, even though I know what you're about to tell me? How was your weekend? How was, uh, you know, overall, how you doing this week? Uh, Kentucky lost with well, – it's Kentucky week. We lost to Kentucky in football for the fifth time in a row. So that's great, obviously. But other than that, the weekend was uh, mediocre, I guess. The whole losing to Kentucky, Kentucky thing kind of killed it for me. Yeah, I was just going to say for all of our listeners that are on right now, you know, I, I'm someone who's been, you know, obviously we live fairly public lives, you know, covering South Carolina for Armchair South Carolina, kind of being on the Spurs Up show every single week. So I'll be completely honest with you guys. It, it it took a lot for me to come on. It, you know, it just took a lot of fortitude and self, 
self-motivation to come on and bring you guys a show this week. I, you know, Gamecock Nation, as we all know, has been down in the dumps. Gamecocks lose that game on Saturday 24-10. to 10. It was more so the way, the way that South Carolina lost that game, losing your fifth straight to Kentucky. Um, a really demoralizing victory – or demoralizing defeat, excuse me. Um, obviously, we – you know, anyone that's on social media, we've seen kind of all the reactions, all the Instagram comments, all the comments on Twitter. And, it you know, it uh, – I'll be honest. I have been pretty down in the dumps about it. it it's uh, it really took a toll on me Saturday night. Uh, I really have tried to stay off social media as much as possible. But we're here. We're the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. And we're not going to shy away, win victory or other or win loss or otherwise. So, um, just kind of jumping right into it. You know, Tom. Overall, I I know what your initial reaction was from the game, so I'm not going to really ask. But uh, you know, there's a lot to dissect in this game. But I want to start more so sort of sort of what I talked about on our Periscope broadcast I had on Monday. And that's just, to me, the problem with this team. Because what we saw Saturday night was a team in another situation where a big-time game where the thing that the thing that kills me, Tom, is we got promised all week long that this wasn't going to happen with, oh, we're going to treat it. Every week's a season. Every week's a season. You know, we, 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 we don't like to do a whole lot of talking, you know, Bryce Nolan Williams saying, you know, we feel like if you put a team up on a pedestal, you make uncharacteristic mistakes. And South Carolina did exactly that. Um, all the stupid penalties, all the dumb celebrations like we talked about before we came on. Just talk about, Tom, you know, you, you've played the game of football, and I've been a college athlete on teams that have been good, bad, you know, good, terrible, middle of the pack. Talk about just kind of what you're seeing from this team. Is there any merit to my belief that – because to me, I think it's more X's and O's. It's more than X's and O's. I think there's something – wrong with the mentality of this team I don't know where it starts if it starts with Will Muschamp if it's within the organization if it's just this crop of players um is there any merit in my belief that like just the mentality of this team overall there's something flawed in their logic okay I I don't think that Will Muschamp I think he's a great X's and O's guy I think he knows what he's doing on the board and probably on the practice field too but as far as, you know, it doesn't – the X's and O's don't matter if you don't have the Jimmys and the Joes. And that's, you know, a big saying. It's always been there. You know, basically, you can draw it all if you want to. You can coach the best of your abilities. But if your players don't go out and perform and don't play the best of their abilities, then you're not going to have a great performance. And I think that's something you're seeing out of South Carolina, they, at least under Will Muschamp and Jake Bentley being the quarterback, is that you, they just can't compete in big games. Or you just want to put night games for that because, you know, Bentley had a good half against Michigan when it was in the daylight. But I think if you look for Bentley, for his this be his third-year quarterback and him to play so many night games I, I can think of, he's had one good one against Tennessee. Pretty sure he still threw an interception that game. I just – maybe it's just something with his team and the way they – I think they're two and something. They're, he, there's one win against ranked opponents, and that was against Tennessee. So they put it together for one ranked opponent in three years. It's his not, first game. His first yeah. game. It was the second. He played against UMass, and then Tennessee was the second game. But it's, I don't know if it's a it's a coaching thing that's that's made, and it's not just a building thing. There are other components to why this team is not performing well under the under pressure and under the lights. It's just the team as a whole cannot figure out and figure out how to come into a game calm, smooth, and collected, and just go out there and play and don't talk and let your play do the talking. They can't do it. I don't know what it is about this team that's like that. I mean. You look at, you know, we talked about it earlier before we started recording, but J.C. Horn, you know, he's a great player and is going to be probably a guy who's going in three years because he's just that – you can just tell he's that good of a player and that good of a good of a kid. But he 
there's a play in a crucial – the second thing is in the fourth quarter. It's a crucial. We make a third down stop. J.C. Horn comes out of nowhere and flexes in the – Benny Snell's ear and starts talking trash. And we're down by 14 at that point. That's 15 yards. And they get, you know, they get to kill more clock and make more time – you know, get more time for Kentucky's offense to be out there and make our defense more tired. Just you can't have moments like that in big games. And obviously, you know, Will Muschamp ran about day and said that, you know, you want those kind of players who are going to get up in people's face, compare them to Earl Thomas in that way. But that's just something that you can't do. I promise if I was a coach, that would never happen again. If it was one of my players, he, they would never put themselves in that situation again. It's just that's that's one thing. And then, you know, Rashad Fenton gets a pick. We're still down by 14. He says there's a sign the ball and throws it away like, it just and that could have been another fifteen yards. Just back, we could have bagged up some more. I don't know why they didn't call that, but it's just the mental awareness of this team isn't there. I don't know what it is. It's just it just blows my mind. Yeah, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. Just real quick, touching on something too, because and I want to clarify to people that are listening that heard you kind of go off there. Nobody's calling for Will Muschamp's job. We're not one of we do no, not definitely not. The Spurs Up Show does not condone. Will Muschamp is in year three. That's just ridiculous and silly and absurd. Anybody that thinks that Will Muschamp should be fired is just their opinion shouldn't be taken seriously. But before we kind of jump more so into the Kentucky game, I, and this is from Will Muschamp's presser, which was today. We're recording this on Tuesday the 2nd. Um, I thought it was really interesting. It just it was just interesting to me to hear Will Muschamp in his presser almost basically defend the actions of J.C. Horn. And I mean, I, I don't think he condoned the penalty necessarily, but – Basically, you know, he was asked about, you know, making those silly mistakes that they come from having too much energy or being hyped up. They just kind of asked him about that scenario in general. And, you know, Will Muschamp basically said he wished he had more guys. He said, some guys you have to tell them to giddy up. Sometimes you got to tell them to slow down. And he said, J.C. Horn is not a guy you have to tell to giddy up. Like, he brings a motor every day. He loves playing for South Carolina. He loves being a Gamecock. And he basically said that, he wished he had more guys that he had to tell to slow down because he said he's never had a good – you know, all the good players he's coached on defense, you had to tell him to back off every now and then. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I agree there. I think that that's – you want players who are excited to play football. You don't want guys who obviously have a lot of talent but aren't really committed to the don't game. Don't give the effort, right. Yeah, don't have fun with it. You want players to have fun with it. I mean, it's not – that's not a problem. But I think you just have to have a mental awareness of the situation you're in and not – Make right, and, and I think J.C. Horn will learn. I don't want to indict them and say, well, J.C. Horn. He's a freshman. He's a true right. freshman. He's a true freshman. He made a mistake. That was a stupid play, and, you know, you have to think he'll learn from it. But what I was just going to say, too, and, again, this isn't the, the hour where Tom and I talk about, you know, our past athletic ventures, but, you know, I, I played collegiate baseball. I, I played sports on a fairly high level, I would say, an extremely competitive level at the collegiate level. And – I, I think just kind of my – like you said, it's not about X's and O's. It's about Jimmy and Joe's. It's about the players you got. Like, for example, you know, we don't like to talk about talk about them on this show, but the reason that Clemson won that game on Saturday against Syracuse was because they had better players. That just yeah. doesn't matter who's at quarterback for them. They just overall from top to bottom, eventually better players are just going to get the job done. That's why they won the football game. Um, but anyways, you, you know – I've played on teams with guys that – and obviously it's baseball. It's a different sport. But it's still it's still collegiate athletics. It's still sports. Um, I've played with guys that – you call them a 5 o'clock hitter, right? They look so good in BP. They look – or I've played with guys – I was a pitcher myself in college. And I've played with guys that look so good in the bullpen. They look so good in practice. And when they get out there in the game and the lights get on or there's any sort of pressure, they fold like a cheap blanket they can't handle it. mentality changes, right? Just mentally, they can't handle it. And that's part of being a good player just overall in general um, is being able to handle the big moment and handle pressure of any kind, you know, being able to 
stay consistent and perform. That's why the best are the best. That's why the guys that are the best at any level of any sport or as far as the best at professional sports, the, the NFL, the MLB, uh, those guys, the reason those guys are so good, and PGA Tour is another great example. Again, they're all different sports, but the reason those guys are so good and they're at the top of the game and they're at the top of the game in the world is because one, one part of it is their mental toughness. That's one thing that makes them great. And to me, we talk about the Jimmies and the Joes. The Jimmies and the Joes that are really, really good and these five-star kids and, and these kids that make plays for these other schools, you know, being mentally tough is part of being a good football player. So, I, you know, I, I've kind of thought of, you know, I hadn't really thought about it this way until today and really until now. But South Carolina, I think, is just getting exposed is that they've got some talented football players, but maybe they just don't have – all of it. They don't have the mental toughness, which makes you not as good of a football player as you could be. I mean, I think that's a fair statement to say because it doesn't make any sense for a team to show up in one game and look good because the athletic ability is there. South Carolina's not making physical mistakes most of the time. They're not making, there's a difference in a physical mistake and a mental mistake. And South Carolina just looks mentally unfocused, they look mentally phased, unready to play. And, but, again, that's part of being a good player at any sport, any level you play at. And I think, again, like you said, it's about the Jimmies and the Joes and South Carolina's continuing to recruit. And Will Muschamp's doing a good job in turning the program around in that perspective. And we're, 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 you know, we're about to talk about Jake Bentley and these wide receivers and this offense and this defense. But, at, you know, at the end of the day, again, I, the mentality is flawed somewhere. It goes beyond X's and O's. And, I, I you know, you can't think the coaching staff is just not getting these guys ready to play. I mean, it, you know, you can't get them ready to play one week and then not get them ready to play the next week. So I think it's just this – I really, Tom, I, I hate to pile it on them, but I think it's this crop of players. I think it's this crop of players they got. They they feel themselves a little too much when they're really maybe not that good and when the lights really shine on them and they get on national television, they play anybody that's worth a darn they just freeze up. I mean, that's, again, that's part of being a good athlete and being a good football player. That's part of a skill set to have. You have to have that part of it to be a fully rounded player. Um, Cause like I said, I've played with guys that have been five o'clock hitters and have been great in practice, but if you can't translate it from practice to the game, well, I would say, I mean, he's, he's okay. He's got some talent, but he's not very good. And that's how I feel like you could describe a lot of South Carolina football players and, just moving right into it, I think that's how you can describe Jake Bentley at this point because he's a guy that has arm talent. I mean, he obviously has arm talent. He got on scholarship to play football at South Carolina. You know, he, he was rave, rave reviews for him by NFL draft, NFL scouts before the season started. Our very own Rob Paul talked about Jake Bentley before this season started, raved about him. And, I mean, I think he's just one of those guys, Tom. I think mentally there's a block for him where he, he's just not a very good football player. I mean, let's – Let's stop trying to protect this kid and sugarcoat it and not make it out to what it is. He's just not that good of a football player. He's, I mean, he's just not. He he does not have the killer instinct, the the mindset. I, he's a tough kid. I'll give him that. I, I know he played hurt on Saturday night, and he's been tough, but he's just not a very good all-around football player. And that, to me, you know, South Carolina, he may, he may be South Carolina's best option. That's another thing that's been very interesting to me this week is that people have said, he's well, he's South Carolina's best option. I understand he started every game, but we haven't seen anybody else play. So, I mean, yeah. I'm not willing to really say that because 
you know, and I'm getting off on a tangent here. I apologize. But if you let's just put it again, and I'm not I'm not advocating for this to happen or saying this is the answer. But if you put a guy in like to carry on Joiner, he may not have all of the skill set Jake Bentley has. He may not have the arm talent. You know, he may be erratic and not be polished to passer. But if he exudes confidence and embraces the big moment, he's a better option than Jake Bentley because he's just going to play better because of that confidence he has and because of that 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 killer instinct that he has because that to me is just such a big part of it. Um, you know, Tom, I, I'll kind of let you jump in here. I mean, what did what did you see? You know, overall, what did you see from Jake Bentley on Saturday night? And kind of what are your I mean, what are your thoughts on him after after uh, after this game? I mean, he obviously can't play in big games. It's not it's not an opinion thing. It's a statistical thing. They just look at all of his career games against right opponents and opponents that are just any good. He doesn't show up. He doesn't play well. I don't know what it is that makes him not play well. I'm sure it's the team around him isn't as talent. I'm sure part of it's the team around him not being as talented as the team he's playing against. But, I mean, there comes a point where you have to think, man, Maybe if you switch out Dylan Thompson with Jake Bentley and this team, they'd be better. Or if you switch out a previous quarterback and put him on this team, this team would be better. I don't know. I mean, obviously you're asking to put a lot on on Jake's shoulders. He was a guy who graduated a year early, a guy that I mean, he when you look at his ranking, he was really more closer to a three star than a four than a five star when he's a middle he's a lower middle of the crop four star. He's asked to do a lot and I understand that. He is as tough as they come and He's got the greatest – I think he's got a really good mentality when it comes to when he – as long as he talks to pressures, the way he talks that way. But he's just maybe it's just when he gets on the field, he just he just doesn't shine those moments. And that's how it is. I mean, you can tell by his facial expressions when he's out there. You know, you know, body language is a big thing. I don't think his body language is ever really good when we're playing in those big games, especially against teams like Clemson and Georgia. It always just looks like he's, sh- he's shook to me. But just go – let's look at his game against Kentucky. He had 11 yards passing in the first half. And I understand there were drops by different receivers that should have been caught. Then That's a different story for a different day. But you can't have 11 yards passing in one half of football and expect to win the game and be able to come back. It just doesn't happen. And he's obvious – I mean, on the year, let's look at it. He's 63% on the year after the Kentucky game, which is where he's been the last two years. He was closer to 70% after the first three games. We – I didn't say – I wasn't saying – I wasn't expecting him to do that, but it was a little shocking that he was throwing it 5% better. But he's seven touchdowns and six interceptions. And when you have a coach like Muschamp who preaches, we need to have a better turnover margin on our team. That's how we're going to succeed because we don't have a team that can just pin their ears back, play man coverage, and put four, put, get four players on the line of scrimmage, put their hands in the dirt and grab a quarterback. We don't have that kind of team right now. And so you, when you don't have that kind of team, you have to play bend, don't break defense, and you have to get the ball for people. But we're not doing that at a great rate. Our turnover margin is near even. And I think that that's something that they're going to have to address. You know, if Bentley doesn't cut down on the interceptions, I'd rather have a guy like Michael Skarnaka who, sure, maybe doesn't make as many big plays, but if he's more efficient with the ball and takes us down the field and scores a lot more, then I'm not going to be upset. I mean, I'm not saying that Skarnaka is a better player, and obviously he's a 50-year senior who's been a backup his whole career for a reason. But maybe he can – I mean, maybe there's a difference that we're just not seeing in games. And, you know, there are certain players who don't perform that well in practice, and they can take it to the game field, and it's just a different story. I'm not saying that's the case with Skarnacki. I don't know if it is or not, but I mean, sometimes you just have to consider maybe, maybe that's an option there. But his just his play. I mean, you look at a team like against Vanderbilt. He piles on the stats, and you know, Bentley, of course, piles on the stats and make make some stuff look great. Then he comes out against Kentucky and lays an egg. I mean, it's just it is the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, I mean, it's like clockwork. I mean, I was going to ask you this: Is it too far to say that he's a glorified Blake Mitchell? I mean. Yeah, I mean, really. really. I mean, really. I, it, it really. I mean, 
as far as the moxie and the look in the pocket, I mean, I, I'm as big a Blake Mitchell fan as they come because I just I have a lot of appreciation for what he did being Steve Spurrier's first quarterback. But that Bentley's on that level, in my opinion. Um, but the, the biggest thing, the biggest criticism, you talked about a lot of different points that I, I really liked, but biggest criticism I'd have of the coaching staff, and I think, unfortunately, this comes from his dad being on staff, is – Yeah, I, I hate it. I hate it so much. Well, to think about. I think it's – they put they, – they put too much on his plate because it's a – I feel like it must be a very patio-on-the-back culture. Like, you know, his dad's on staff. We don't want to – they just need to be honest like Jake we need you to be a game manager we we or we we're telling you to be a game manager we you can't ask Jake Bentley to make all these different reads and make these throws down the field and you know read the entirety of it I, I forgot who it was I was listening to but you know they were talking about Kentucky and talking about Terry Wilson how uh they only asked Terry Wilson to read one side one half of the field because they understand that his strength is not decision making and going through four or five different progressions Maybe that's something that Jake Bentley needs to explore. I mean, I oh, 100% agree. Okay. You're asking way too much out of him. Let's um, think about it. He he really only reads the side of the field Debo's on, and if Debo's not open, he tucks it and runs. Because if you haven't noticed by now, Shot Smith is the best receiver on the team. I don't think it's close to this point. Brian Evers is obviously very good, but he's had a drop problem throughout his career. I just don't think Shot's the best we got, and I don't think that Bentley isn't hitting him enough. I mean, he's been wide open on so many plays, he just completely has missed him because he has shutters on for Debo. But anyway, keep going. No, yeah, I, I was just going to say I agree with you as well. I mean, you know, again, you can keep harping saying Jake Bentley's the best option for South Carolina. He certainly might be. But if the interceptions continue with him, he's going to become more of a hindrance for this team than a help. And, I mean, like you're saying, nobody's saying Michael Skarnecki is a more talented quarterback. But maybe South Carolina on this offense, they could pro- they could use a game manager right now. I, I would openly – because at least a game manager is going to keep you in games. He's going to keep the game close. He's not going to play you out of a football game. Um, and, again, I don't want to put all 110% of the blame on Jake Bentley because, like I said in the very beginning of this podcast, and I said on my Periscope broadcast I did on Monday, it's a team problem as far as the, the mentality and having the type of players that embrace big moments and play well in big games. It's the entire team. It's yeah. not just Jake Bentley. But, again, as the quarterback, I said this after the Georgia game, you get way too much of the credit, which Bentley probably got way too much of the credit against after he played against Vanderbilt, and you get way too much of the blame. And same thing going after Georgia and after this game. But it all starts with number 19. Let's not get that confused. I just hate seeing people trying to sugarcoat it and say he's been so great. Stop. He hasn't been great. He's not a great player. He's a very average player. Let's just embrace that and accept that. But at some point, again, if, if the interceptions, I agree with you, interceptions continue. If he goes out there against Missouri, first drive, second drive, you throw a pick or two. I mean, I feel like your hand is forced at that point. I mean, you, you can't play yourself out of that football game or any of your football games, any of your games left. Um, but moving into other parts of the offense, because obviously he wasn't the only one that played badly. Tom, talk about what are your feelings as far as this wide receiver unit after, you know, this past weekend? Obviously, Debo had that huge drop on the opening drive of the game. Um, Brian Edwards had a big drop as well that may have been six. I mean, there were other drops that happened as well. And in the two biggest games of the season, we've not only seen Jake Bentley play poorly, but we've seen tons of drops from a wide receiver unit that many expected to be 
you know, one of the best in the SEC, if not one of the best in the entire country. Is is it a huge concern to you that these wide receivers have struggled in the big games to hold them to the football, or do you think it's something they're going to get correct? I mean, I think I think it's something that you can correct. I mean, how many times have you seen Debo Samuel or Brian Edwards drop a ball? I mean, it's like – I mean, it's – like I think Muschamp said today in the press tree, you've seen Brian Edwards – how many plays have you seen him go up and make in the end zone? I mean, it's not like – it's not like that one drop is going to be the end-all, be-all for his career. And that's the same with Debo. I mean, he makes one drop on a dig route. Like, it happens. I don't think it's something that – maybe it's just, you know, usually when you have all the dominoes falling, they keep on falling. It's, you, when you have one thing go wrong, it seems like everything goes wrong. I feel like that's more of the case for the receiver position. With Bentley, it's a different story. I think that we've obviously – the case is settled with him in big games unless something just miraculous happens against Missouri in the re- throughout the rest of the season. But I think it's a different story with the receivers. I think they'll – They'll get it corrected there. Yeah, I, I'm not as – I don't know. I, it concerns me, especially in the big games. They need to prove they can go up and make those. But those guys have made so many plays before. And you know what you're getting out of Debo Samuel. I mean, I, I, granted, I would challenge Debo Samuel if I was his coaching staff and anyone else around him because I don't think Debo Samuel has played to the level that he was expecting or any of us were expecting. I don't think he's been quite that player. But, again, this entire offense hasn't been what we expected. So, there's a lot of different places to put the blame. But you got to think, you keep putting those guys out there, reinforce the simple things. And those guys, you can depend on those guys. I I agree with you 100%, though, and what everyone on social media harps on over and over and over and over again. They've got to get Shy Smith more involved. And, I mean, again, you got to get – somebody's got to throw the football to him first for him to make plays. But – He's just – he is not touching the ball enough. He's such a – he's such a good player. And with, you know, with all the attention basically on Debo – I mean, you know defenses are scheming for Debo Samuel every single time they play South Carolina. I mean, if Shai Smith has single coverage, it's a, it's a crime. It, it's, yeah. it's just a crime because you can't cover him one-on-one. I mean, so they, they've got to find a way to get Shai Smith involved. He's just too big of a playmaker not to. Um, Tom, what's wrong with Rico Dowdle? Because we give him praise one week. He has a terrible game against Georgia. I give him – we give him praise again after the Vanderbilt game, saying he's the number one back, He yada, yada, yada. Fumbles on, what, the second drive of the game, your own five-yard line. Yeah. I mean, what is up with – is is what – who is Rico Dowdle? Is he the number one back or is he just another dude? Uh, right now, I think he's just another dude. I mean, I don't – and that's not to say that he's not a good back because he's a very good back. And we've all seen that he, you know, can play very well. But really at this point, would you rather not just have Mon Denson go out there and you know what you're going to get with him? He's not going to fumble the ball and he's going to hit the hole. You know, what I mean, not, he's not going to do anything explosive-wise. I mean, is Rico can give you or AJ can give you, but he's going to be a good back for you. And that's the same thing with Tyson. I don't know – Tyson was injured out of nowhere for the Kentucky game. I think if that if Tyson would have been healthy and ready to go for the Kentucky game, that he would have played as he would have played a lot more as soon as Rico fumbled that ball. I think Rico would have been benched, and, but they didn't really have a lot of other options. But I just I don't know with Rico. He's just kind of he's throwing it up Tyson, in the air for me as whether well or Tyson, not he can be one back. Tyson can't stay healthy or stay out of the doghouse. That is his yeah. two biggest problems. Um yeah, I mean, it's so funny We're just how we're talking, you know, Mon Denson. I, I would love to see a starting lineup on Saturday. you got Michael Skardecki at quarterback, Mon Denson at running back. We're putting out the most conservative lineup possible because, you know yeah. what, these guys may not have upside like the others, 
but they damn sure ain't going to lose this football game for us. They're going to take care of the ball. It's going to be boring, but we're not going to lose it because of them. I, I mean, I'm, I might be on board with it, honestly. But, yeah, Rico Dowdle, it's just so – he might be another one, just a head case. That's the perfect way to describe this entire yeah. South Carolina team right now. It's a bunch of maybe it's Maybe it's just that entire recruiting class from Jake Bentley. I don't, I don't remember the year off the top of my head, but – Jake Bentley, Rico Dowdle, all those kids in those classes, maybe they're all just head cases at this point. That's what we should just expect with it. I mean, just honestly, until, until they're gone, maybe we should just you know expect what? that. Again, I don't want to just spend this entire podcast bashing the players. And, no, I mean, they're know, good players. Don't get me wrong. Thing, we obviously I think, have high expectations. But. I think, too, what it could stem from is that the 2014 class and maybe the 15 class, too, Spurrier's last two classes, The I think, like, I, I hate to call him out, but a guy like Bryson Allen Williams – He's a good player on South Carolina, but let's be realistic. He's not he's not a game changer on an Alabama team, on a Georgia team, I, in my opinion. He's just he's not one of those guys. But we have a lot of guys, and again, I'm getting off on the tangent again, but I, I just feel like it needs to be discussed. I think we have a lot of guys that think they're a lot better than they really are. I, yeah. Just from the way they act, the way they talk. And I think those last two recruiting classes or Spurrier's classes kind of thought that, well, I mean, I got recruited to South Carolina and they won eleven games. 11 games, three years in a row, and I got recruited by Steve Spurrier. So, I'm, you know, I'm like a five-star player, basically. And I almost just wonder, is that kind of mindset sort of feeding into the, the, the like you said, that crop of guys from, what, 16 – was it 15, 16, whatever, that, that crop of guys? Because yeah. that entire mindset seems to be around this team. I, I mean, I don't know if it's guys thinking they're better than they really are. They think they can just walk out there, waltz out against Kentucky and – roll out their helmets and, you know, win by two touchdowns or just what that kind of mentality is. But, I mean, I, I just agree with you, Tom, because it's hard for me to point it back to Will Muschamp because South Carolina at times plays so well. So, they're not a poorly coached football team. They're, they're just, you're not going to convince me they're just a poorly coached football team. Just this crop of players, there's something with this crop of players. Um, and I, again, head case, I think is the perfect way to describe these guys. They're just, they're head cases. They've got talent, but they're head cases when the lights come on, when they're in a, in a game that means anything. Um, you know, overall, again, we talked about Rico Dowdle, his struggles. The thing that to me is the most frustrating is that, you know, the offensive line didn't play perfect on Saturday night, but the, the thing that's most frustrating to me offensively is that what, what are we through four games and this offensive line has played well, they played yeah. well. It's one of the better offensive lines, and I think that's one thing that's encouraging for the Muschamp era moving forward, not looking too far ahead. But we've talked about this before, Tom. South Carolina's got good players on offensive line. they got Joe Long, yeah. Dylan Wanham, Hank Manos, like other guys coming in that are committed. South Carolina's going to be a force to reckon with on the offensive line for years to come. They're going to continue to recruit well that position. I like Eric Wolford, offensive line coach. But it's just been so disappointing with the offensive line play that South Carolina's gotten. We thought that'd be such a huge piece of the puzzle this season and they've played well and Jake Bentley and company just haven't been able to capitalize from it. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. I think the offense signs probably the best position on the team. I don't think anyone can really dispute that. I mean, obviously I think Rashad Benton is playing at a level where he's, I think it separate himself as the best player on the team individually, but unit wise, the offense line's probably the best and will continue to be barring injury. I know Zach Bailey got a little cheap shot on him. It's one of the Kentucky players did, but had to go out for a player two in that game. But, have, haven't had any injuries there, which is a really good sign. But I think they're – I mean, they're a really good unit. I don't think anyone can, die, can deny that at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, you're an offensive line guy too, man. So yeah, I know, I know you enjoy watching this Gamecocks offensive. Oh, line. I mean, they're they're maulers and they they go to work. I mean, they they protect the quarterback very well. I think and Zach Bowie said in an interview today that he he doesn't care who's behind him. He's gonna get he's gonna try his best to protect him. But I think that they play well, and I don't think anybody can deny that. Yeah, for sure. Before we move off of offense into the defense, because because he does play offense, I want to talk about. Jacob August, the, what your initial reaction is the Cash Daniel hit that got him ejected from the game? Your initial reactions from that hit? I mean, uh, if it was if it was the other way around, I would say it's not that big of a deal because I've I've seen people get cracked back like that before. But something that's against rules, I thought it was a cheap shot just because it was against my player. But if it was reversed, I probably would think it. I think it would be clean and that he was just a, it was just a momentum thing and nothing really he can do about it. Yeah, very very dirty play in today's football. I agree with you. I think 15 years ago, we're not even talking about it. It's a non yeah. fact. No, five years ago, it's like not a big I, deal yeah. at all. Yeah, no, for sure. So, I, you know, I, I don't like Cash Daniel to begin with, so I'm, I'm glad they called it. But, you know, I don't know. It's just You, you don't want to see that. I, I just, I, you know, you don't want to see somebody get hurt. I don't want to see Jacob August. Yeah, it, would be, it, was, it was completely unnecessary. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. if it was the other way around, I'd be like, eh, it's oh, not yeah. a big deal. No, no, I got you. No, I agree, I agree. All right, so moving into the defense as well. Well, Tom, I have to tip my cap to you because you were right. You know, you said that the South Carolina linebacking core was an area of concern, and I have to say that I think you are correct because yeah. South Carolina, while they didn't give up 100 yards to Benny Snell, um, you, you're down 24-3 to three in the first, at, at halftime. Um, again, it's not all – really, I don't think it's all on the defense. I, mean, I thought the defense had some minor victories, but – just talk about what you saw overall from this defensive unit as a whole and how glaring are those issues at linebacker now that we've seen what Kentucky did. Okay, our first 11 on defense is very good. But once we have to start rotating in the first half a lot like we were against Kentucky because our offense couldn't keep the ball in their hands and not fumble it in their own seven. I mean, I, we have a really good defense. And obviously a second-half shutout is something you, very big that you should be able to talk about a lot and be bragging yourself on because Kentucky is a good football team. No one can take that from them at this point. But I just think that when your defense is on the field as much as our defense was in the first half, it's going to hurt them. You're out, there are a lot of plays. You're going to get tired. It's SEC football. It's going to be dragged down, knockout. It's not going to be easy. But I just think that our defense – especially our defense is, is a good defense. Don't get me wrong, but our linebacking core is weak. Other than T.J. Brunson – we don't have much in linebacker right now. I mean, Sherrod Green, obviously, a lot people expect a lot more out of him than we've seen this year. He just can't – something isn't there with him. I don't know if it's talent level, he's not there, or he just can't – is another one of those guys they've recruited that just can't bring it onto the game field compared to what he is on the practice field. But he got exposed a couple times against Kentucky. I just – it was just rough to watch at points. But that's just a core that, you know, you got Rosendo Lewis and Ernest Jones, two guys that are going to be probably end up playing a lot next year. Hopefully they can – bolster the play some but it's just it's just shaky defensive it's a defensive unit right now yeah no I 100% agree I mean I, I really like what the secondary has done um yeah I agree yeah after that first three at the linebacker position I mean you're really you're really fishing yeah, Thompson didn't even travel so no didn't even travel I remember texting you on Saturday because of course he puts up an Instagram story of all things I'm like did Elders Thompson travel and of course yeah. we find out he didn't so um but yeah, I mean, it just it—it's hard to take anything on defense from that game other than South Carolina is just not. I don't, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hesitate to say what I was about to say. I want to say I was gonna say they're not quite as good as they have been, but I go back to Tom. I, they might be as talented, if not more talented, than they were last year. 
they're just not getting the ball off people as much. Yeah, they're not and getting I think that's game a changing turnovers. That's a big difference, especially is that we're not. You know, you had Dante Sawyer last year led the NCAA and and forced fumbles. That's not something you see every year out of a player. It was five. Fumbles. It was five. I think. Yeah, it was five, five forced fumbles. fumbles. Five forced fumbles. One player is crazy. I think that not having DJ Wanham is a big hurt to this defense. Obviously, he's not there to help against the run, especially he's a great pass rusher. Somebody who can just go after the quarterback and get the ball out. But not having you know having DJ and then Dante Sawyer leaving, and then Jamarcus King, too, was also – we undervalued him, but God, I'd rather have him back over Keyson Dixon at this point. But I just think that, you know, when you're on the field for that long and you're not getting the ball from people, you're going to have a long day on defense, regardless of how well your offense – regardless of how talented you are. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, the only thing I was going to bring up as well, because I know me and you talk about it a lot. We we text back and forth about it a ton. But where is Jemias Williams? What, what where can the real Jemias Williams uh, stand I saw, up? Because I haven't seen him once all season. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't seen him make any plays either. Weird. I I saw him driving a blue Chevy Cobalt the other day. So obviously we're not paying our players enough. We need to get that. <laughs> we need to get our price tag up on. The, we gotta start putting out more or something because that's just. Uh, but I don't know. He's got to start doing something. Or he, I, I understand why he's. You know, coaches started J.C. Horn over him in the nickel, and he got moved to safety because safety is looking atrocious sometimes. You know, Stephen Montag is obviously very good, but other than him, we haven't shown much there. And maybe – I don't know if it's the position change that he needs to do or maybe he just needs to change the offense altogether, but something's got to give with that dude. Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to see a lot of him probably Saturday because J.T. Ebay is out for Saturday's game. So he's we're going gonna... to see a lot of Nick Harvey Saturday too. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I mean, they're both going to have to step up. Um as far as special teams are concerned, I mean, anything, you know, I, I can think of the Brian Edwards punt that wasn't that big punt return. We saw a little spark from him. Um, that's such a, and that's such a momentum thing, especially with, you know, Uncle Mo plays such a big part in games, Uncle Momentum. Especially on the road. Especially. Yeah, and, when you get a 50-yard punt return for a touchdown and you start in Kentucky territory and then it gets called back because of a holding penalty, it just kills you. Kills your mindset. You're thinking we're going to start at the 40, and then you go back to the 15. It's just such a it's it's a it flags kill drives, and that killed that entire drive before it was even born. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, Parker White missed one. I mean, we really want to highlight. I thought he had an okay game, but you know he's still 83% on the year. Like we'll take yeah. it. Yeah, no, we'll definitely take it after the kind of what the preseason expectations. I still just think it's so funny. We we predicted Shane Hines to win the kicking competition, and he's not on the roster. So. That's how much we know yeah. about special teams, for sure. Um, Tom, overall from this game, because we want to get this uh, this taste out of our mouths as quickly as possible and forget it ever happened, but your biggest takeaway from Saturday was what? Uh, that South Carolina isn't going to win or compete in big games until Jake Bentley is no longer the quarterback. Fair. No, for sure. And, you know, that kind of almost saddles back off what I'm going to say. My biggest takeaway from Saturday is – this South Carolina football team is who everyone that wasn't a Gamecock fan before the season thought it was. Um, you know, I, I hate to say that I think some of the hype was South Carolina fans getting a little overexcited. And obviously the Gamecocks went nine and four a year ago, and I think fans had every right to be excited. But you listen to some more of the national pundits, kind of their concerns with this team, thinking that this team from a year ago couldn't – you know, this team really lived off turnovers a year ago and not so much off of talent. And I think we're just seeing that. I, South Carolina's not getting those game-changing turnovers. Um, they're turning the football over on offense, which even compounds that even more. So, I, I just think the Gamecocks have kind of showed you who they are at this point. I, I mean, I think we 
as much as we don't know about South Carolina through four games, we know everything we need to know about them as far as South Carolina is not going to show up in a big game, which obviously has to be concerning for the next two weeks, especially um, as you move into Missouri and then Texas A&M, which at this point, I mean, they have, you have to at least split. I mean, you have to at least split for the morale of the team and for your bowl chances in general. Um, before we move into Missouri, Tom, any game balls you want to give out? Because like I told you, I, I don't really know that I've got really anybody for a game ball that I want to dish. Uh, no, we lost to Kentucky for the fifth year in a row and lost by two touchdowns. I mean, Kentucky's a good team. Don't get me wrong, but it's Kentucky. We shouldn't lose to them yeah, in general. I mean, close, closing out on Kentucky, listen, I, the <laughs> – some of the biggest arguments, you know, one of the biggest arguments I've seen online from people is South Carolina fans trying to justify, well, you know, we, we've we've lost two games, and one of them was the number two ranked team in the country, and, you know, the other one was to undefeated Kentucky that's 13th ranked, you know. We've lost to two top 15 teams. Raise your hand if you actually think Kentucky's the 13th best team in the country. Nobody. Nobody thinks that. They're – Listen, Kentucky's a lot better than they have been. They've got really good players. How many times has South? How many times has Kentucky out recruited South Carolina since two thousand? Ever, honestly, two thousand. Kentucky doesn't have those Jimmys and Joes. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kentucky get beat by two touchdowns this weekend against Texas A&M. But they're a team. You know what the difference between Kentucky and South Carolina is right now? Kentucky is playing like they're not scared of the moment. They're 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 guys are embracing the moment. They're, they're led by a guy, Benny Snell, who lives for the lights. He, he lives for that moment. He, he lives for that stage. He loves to be interviewed by SEC Network every time after they win. And South Carolina right now doesn't have guys like that. They, they just – they don't have guys like that. They don't have guys that can handle the moment and, uh, you know, shine when the lights come on. So – you want to crown Kentucky? I don't want to sound like who was the head coach, the Bears head coach. You want to crown their asses? You can crown them, but they are who we think they are. They're, you know, I don't want to take it away. Kentucky's going to have a nice year. They're probably going to finish eight, nine wins, but miss me with that Kentucky's a top 15 team thing because I wouldn't be surprised they're not ranked by the end of the season. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. I, you know, they are a good team, but don't make them out. Be, they're like a great team, so. It is what it is. Anyways, moving into Missouri, South Carolina obviously gets a chance to bounce back. They face the three and one Missouri Tigers, who are coming off a bye week. Uh, kickoff set for noon uh, on the SEC Network, obviously in Williams Bryce Stadium. Tom, <laughs> Vegas is—I don't know what the Kool Aid is they're drinking, but they've got the Gamecocks, the two-point favorite, over/under set at sixty-five. Um, serious history. It's been a good one. South Carolina, Missouri tied four and four overall. Um, Last time they met, obviously, Gamecocks beat Missouri last year handily in Como, 31-13. Um, the Tigers are head, uh, coached by their head coach, Barry Odom. They've got a new offensive coordinator in Derek Dooley this season. Um, you know, Odom definitely came in this season on the hot seat. And so far, again, they've started off 3-1. and one. Played Georgia, I thought, a lot better than the Gamecocks played Georgia. I'm not sure if you were able to watch that game two weeks ago, Tom, but it was a very weird game in Columbia, Missouri, in which there were a lot of different turnovers and some questionable calls by the referees. They obviously still lost. I think they lost by 14 points. But they obviously played Georgia a lot better than South Carolina did. Talk about, just, Tom, your initial feelings um, going into this this game Saturday with Missouri. Uh, they're a better football team than they were a year ago. I think that they showed that they're honestly probably better than us when you consider that they put on a better performance against Georgia than we did. I think that – 
they're a good football team. I think they're more balanced football team than last year. I don't think Drew Locke's having to do as much as he did last year. Their defense is a lot better to me. I think it's going to be a lot closer game than most most Carolina fans would expect from, you know, from Missouri. But I just uh, it's going to be a tough game for me. Yeah, and you'll hear on the interview a little bit later in this show, you know, we talked to – or I talked to uh, Brendan Anthony in the Mazodcast, who's, uh, you know, very close to the program. And he talked about, yeah, they're a lot more balanced this year. You feel like South Carolina fans are going to be intrigued to see how many running backs you see on Saturday, which is one of my biggest concerns because Demario Crockett's a really good underrated running back. Um, let's talk about Drew Locke for a second, Tom. You know, Drew Locke has been a guy that, you know, set, a, set some records last year. He threw for over 40 touchdowns, which is an SEC record. Um, but he's been a guy, I mean, I, I would say his biggest knock is that he really, he, <laughs> I, I don't want to put this on him, but somewhat of the Jake Bentley effect in which he piles up stats against the really terrible teams like arcade type numbers. Um, and then when it comes to big games or just against better competition, he looks much more mortal. Um, yeah. just talk about kind of your perspective from a, from a football guy, football guy perspective, what are your thoughts on Drew Locke? What what trouble or what uh, what problems does he pose for the South Carolina defense? I mean, he's a very good quarterback. He spreads it out very well. He spreads the wealth, unlike Jake Bentley, who loves to force feed it in one player, not named Debo Samuel. But he's obviously a good quarterback. He's predicted to be a first-round pick for a reason. It's not something we should take lightly. But, I mean, okay, he does have the Jake Bentley effect to a point in those games. But, obviously, I think that something that hurts him a lot is he doesn't have the team that people like, like – you put Drew Locke on South Carolina, and South Carolina probably could win 10 games this year. And that's just because Drew Locke has a killer arm. He plays well, he's you know, slings. against everybody. He's, he slings. He's Brett Favre to a point. He's very similar to Patrick Mahomes, but obviously I don't think he's that talent level. But very, very good player. I think he's a guy that if he had a better team around him. Say you put Drew Locke on Alabama, and I'm sure they have a similar – they would be, wouldn't be as good as they are with Tooth right now, but I think they'd have a very explosive offense in the same – sort of fashion. Obviously, when you put yourself in Alabama, that's how you have a great team around you. But I think if you had a better team, he could be considered more of a Heisman contender type player rather than just a above-average quarterback like he is. But I don't know. I mean, he's a very good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a top – one of the top NFL draft-ready quarterbacks for a reason. I mean, I think I think he's going to be a tough matchup for South Carolina. I mean, he throws it all over the yard in this Missouri offense. That's kind of their – that's kind of their calling card. I mean, you know, again, I talked with Brendan Anthony and the Mazodcast and he just sort of talked about I me. Mean, Missouri's a team. They're not going to beat you in a 17-13 in a type game. They're going to plan to go out there and score more than you do. Um, and the biggest question, yeah. maybe the biggest question to me, is is how is, South, how is South Carolina going to keep up with that? If Missouri goes out there and scores, God, I mean, 28, 30, can South Carolina score 31? I don't know. Um, I, I don't think so. But, um, you know, going into this game, again, I, I think there's so much to talk about more so than X's and O's. First thing, Tom, what are we looking at over-under attendance-wise? 70,000? I mean, is that is that a fair number? Because I'm I'm really nervous to see what the crowd looks like on Saturday after that tough Kentucky game. Uh, I don't even know. I mean, I would say under 70,000. I don't – why would people want to show up? I mean, honestly. Like, when you – And it's a not, noon kickoff. And it's yeah, a noon kickoff. Noon, kickoff or noon kickoffs are the worst. They should be banned forever. 430s are probably just as bad. I mean – I want to say I want a night game, but Jake Millie's going to throw for 10 yards and a half. I think I'd rather just take us playing at 12. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just – it's kind of a random thought, but I, I'll just be very interested to see how the attendance is on Saturday. Um, anyways, going back to the game, you know, one of the biggest questions to me, Tom, that we gonna have, we're going to have to watch is how does this team come out of the gate mentally? Because obviously 
there's just – you know, the, these players and all these people can say they stay off social media, they don't see it, they don't see it. The negativity that's swirling around the program right now is pretty tough to to take in. You know, it's um, it's taking a toll on some people for sure. I mean, you know the players probably see it, they hear it, they hear the frustrations. Um, they read some of their news clippings, if you will, and everybody's talking about just how bad they are and how disappointing it is. And, um, you know, I, I'm just really intrigued, Tom, to just see how this team responds and how they come out against Missouri because obviously – you know, I wonder if being back home in the friendly confines of Williams-Brice Stadium will make a difference for them. Obviously, again, you hope that that's why you hope there's a big crowd there to support them. But I'm just really intrigued to see what the what the mentality of this team is, and just kind of how upbeat they are coming out of the gate. I mean, I think that they're obviously it's it's tough coming off a loss like that. But when you look at the last time we came off a similar loss, well where a team handles well was against Georgia. Obviously, I think Missouri's a lot better team than Vanderbilt, but they came out well. You know, the crowd wasn't much of a factor for Vanderbilt, so they just got it going fast and pushed, you know, pushed the pedal to the middle and almost broke their throats or threatens their fuck in this second quarter. But I don't know. I don't feel like this is a game that they can take in the way they – take it in the way of seriousness. As, you know, you take a Vanderbilt game. Obviously, Vanderbilt's the worst in the SEC. It's not close. But I just think that – I don't know. It's going, to be, it's going to be a tough game. I don't think the, the time of the day has to do with it. I think it's just going to be a tough game for us. Yeah. Um, Missouri's a team that right now you have to say South Carolina is kind of even with those guys. It's, it's, you know, it stinks to say, but a game that you've really just kind of assumed before the season that, you know, chalked that one up as a W. Now fans are like taking a look at this game and, you know, saying, hey, I think it's a coin flip. And I mean, again, again, Vegas thinks so as well. I mean, you, they've got South Carolina as a two-point favorite. You give three points to the home team. So, they're saying on a neutral site, Missouri's a one-point favorite. So this is as much of a pick as you're going to get. Yeah, um, I mean, if you think about the schedule for the rest of the year, we have two guaranteed wins, and that's against Tennessee and you in Chattanooga. Who else? Who else is a guaranteed win at this point? Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And I mean, again, these next two are so crucial, and especially this one because obviously, out of the two, Missouri and Texas A&M, Texas A&M is vastly better than Missouri is. So this one, I, I mean. It's funny. I feel like we say it every week that this one's a must win. Like, you have to win this one. But this one is a must win if you yeah. want to make a whole game and just keep out the negativity. I mean, and just, just build some positive momentum, get things going in the right direction again. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of talk and some talk this week, Tom, about Jake Bentley's health. I mean, obviously, he went out of the game Saturday night, had a bit of a knee issue, and, you know, uh, you know, Will Muschamp talked in his presser today basically just saying that he's probable probable for the game Saturday. Um, talk about just, you know, what are your concerns with Jake Bentley's help? And if he can't go, um, Skarnecchia, I would say, would be the one to get to start. If he can't go, do and this is a serious question, do South Carolina's chances of winning the game go up, down, or stay the same in your opinion? Uh, I feel like they – would he go up? Honestly, I don't – I mean, Jake is what he is at this point. He doesn't play well against very good competition. I think that Missouri is very good competition for us. I don't think that it's a team – I'm not saying it's a team that he would be afraid of, but it's a team that he's – it's just – it's just he, he scares me how he performs when we're playing very good teams. And Missouri is a very good team. I mean, they're coming off a bye. They're going to be ready to play. They're going to be in his face all night. And it's not to say that Skarniecki will perform better, but I thought we, you know what you're going to get out of Skarniecki. You know, obviously less explosive, explosive plays, but I think it's going to be more efficient and get you down the field and get points on the board. And that's something you're going to have to do against Missouri. Obviously, Jake's a, Jake is a very hard competitor. He plays very 
plays very hard, will play through injury like he has before, especially against A&M. I think he had a concussion and still threw a 50-yard bomb to Shot Smith. I mean, he's he plays very hard, but I, and he will play as long as he can. But I, I think at this point I'd rather have Skarnacki out there, just, maybe just from Missouri. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think as far as that's concerned, if, if, if Jake can't go um, – you know, I think their chances of winning, honestly, is to stay even. I mean, I, I wouldn't say – I don't know if I'd say they go up, but I, I don't think they go down. I mean, I, I when think – When I say up, I don't mean up drastically. Up yeah, yeah, bit. of course. No, I, I get what you're saying. Um, but, no, I mean, I think they just pretty much stay the same. Um, you know, just because I think South Carolina – obviously, again, like we talked about, if Jake Millie – and one of the things that scares me, too, is that I think if Jake Bentley is even – even if he's not 100%, they're going to put him out there. That, that's kind of what bothers yeah. me a little bit. I, I feel like if, even if he's not 100% ready to go, they feel so so strongly as to that he is the best or really the only option that's going to let, let them win football games, they're going to put him out there. And at that point, you're risking – you know, and again, I'm not trying to criticize this coaching staff and say they're going to put a player out there and risk his career or whatever. But, you know, it's just hard for me to believe that if, if Jake Bentley says, Coach, I can go, and he looks like he can go in pregame warm-ups, they're going to let him go. I, I don't yeah. think it really matters what anybody else says. So, um, right. you know, obviously you have to hope and pray that for his sake and his health, I mean, obviously we have our criticism of Jake Bentley, but I don't want to see anybody tear tear anything in their knee or their leg or whatever. So you have to pray and hope for his health. Because, uh, you know, right now, I mean, he, he's probable throwing the ball around in practice. What happens when Terry Beckner's trying to get in his face and he's trying to injure him? I mean, is, is he ready to take a hit from Terry Beckner? That's my question. Um, anyways, on the defensive side, obviously, we talked about just kind of the challenge that Missouri, Tom, is going to pose to South Carolina. They, they play a very up-tempo offense. Uh, they've been a lot more balanced than in years past. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Tom, I'm this is a matchup that I am fairly concerned about as far as – you know, the South Carolina defense, tail of two halves a week ago. You only gave up 75 yards in the second half. I think you can attribute that maybe a little bit to Kentucky playing conservative and trying to run the clock out. But how this defense performs against Drew Locke and this high-powered Missouri offense, it is a concern to me because at some point I just don't – at some point I don't think that the Gamecocks offense will be able to keep up. I agree. I don't. I don't think. I think this is. A, if this game turns into a shootout, like forty-two to whatever we score, I don't think that we have a chance. I think this is a game we're going to see. Where we miss DJ one a lot. I think he's a guy who could have gotten a Drew Lock, made him you know, feel that pressure like Georgia did and make mistakes. But I don't know. I just feel like this isn't a game that we want to turn into a shootout. I think for South Carolina to have a realistic chance, it's going to have to be like. 28 to 21 or something like that. I don't think it's a game that – if Missouri scores more than 30, I'd basically take Missouri. If, you t- if you, Missouri scores more than 30, I'm not going to take us to win this yeah, game. I'd have to 100% agree with you. I will say going back to the previous matchup, South Carolina against Drew Locke has been very good in forcing turnovers. And last year I think Locke threw for close to 300, if not 300, but he threw two picks and two bad picks too, one that I know directly led to a touchdown. Um so uh, South Carolina's had some pretty good success against him, but I think with this defense to have success on Saturday, they're just they're going to have to get back to their, their their ways as far as taking the ball off people and getting turnovers. I did, this team right now is in need of that sort of spark um, because obviously this offense has shown they cannot do it alone. So this South Carolina really is going to need this defense to step up. There's one of the good things is that Missouri does love to throw it and. You know, obviously, again, I, I know I said they're balanced. They are, but they they love to throw the football. They've got Drew Locke. Who wouldn't want to use him? 
Um, and this is going to be a real opportunity for South Carolina secondary players to kind of show what they're made of. A guy like – do we see a guy like J.C. Horn get his first pick of the season, the true freshman? Um, do we see Jemias Williams finally step up and do something? Um, that, you know, obviously I expect Rashad Fenton to keep up, keep, keep up with his hot play. Does Keyshawn Nixon finally break through and prove us wrong and prove that he is a legitimate SEC corner? Um, it, it's going to be a real opportunity for those guys in the secondary, in my opinion. You know, with the concerns at the safety position, this is going to be a, a week as well where if that position is not shored up, it could get exposed. It could get very badly exposed in that matter. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting to watch as far as the Demaria Crockett and the running game from Missouri. Um, you know, the South Carolina defensive line is just going to show up in the linebacking core as well. Um, they're going to have to have a much better game. They had a week ago, Tom, I'm sure you'd agree. Javon Kinlaw, South Carolina really needs to get him back going to kind of what he did against Vanderbilt. Um, and I think that will be a kind of a big area of opportunity. I, I'm I'm intrigued to see what Javon Kinlaw does on Saturday because I think it's going to be a, a, a matchup he can win as far as him going up against that Missouri offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that our defense is going to have to have a very good game to beat. Missouri, obviously, safety is a big position of concern because you your safety is kind of, along with the middle linebacker, the quarterback of the defense, the safety is considered, you know, they make the calls for, for as long as the secondary. I just think that if Rashad Fenton has a big game, goes off for, you know, Stephen Montag gets a ball for Drew Locke. I think if they make Drew Locke get out of his zone early and make him do, make mistakes and do things he doesn't do usually, like kind of like they did two years ago and, you know, last year against Missouri and kind of how Georgia has done to Missouri the last two years. And I think we'll have a good game, but if not, they don't force, force those turnovers, and we're going to have a very long game defensively. Yeah, I 100% agree. You won't beat Missouri on Saturday without forcing a couple turnovers. I just, I think yeah. this team right now, you know, that's something you just have to find a way to do. I mean, I'm sure I know that's a point of emphasis for South Carolina. Um, you know, obviously throughout practice and stuff like that. I mean, Muschamp talked about they talk about that every single day. But I, it's just for me, it's it's even such uh, such a bigger point of emphasis this week. Um, let's move into some key matchups, Tom. Just kind of what you're looking for. What's the key matchup you're looking to watch for on Saturday? Um, I'm going to go Larry Roundtree the third, who's running back from Missouri versus Shrod Green. Larry's averaging 5.3 yards per carry from Missouri. He's been a very good back for them. Uh, and Shrod Green has been a guy who's been sort of a disappointment for us so far through the 2018 season. He hasn't played very well, or at least you know not up to the expectations we had for him. But Sherrod Green can have a good game coverage-wise and maybe, you know, make some plays at the line of scrimmage against Larry Roundtree the third. We'll have a good game. But if not, it could be a very long day for that young linebacker like it has been the last three games. Yeah, I understand. I T.J. Brunson, like I told you last week, TJ, we we're going to find out a lot about T.J. Brunson and what kind of linebacker he was, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I, I'm not trying to knock the guy. He's very capable. He's a, he's a solid player, but – not just him, but that entire core didn't step up last week. Um, yeah. My key matchup to watch on Saturday, Tom, center Donnell Stanley against defensive lineman Terry Beckner Jr. I mean, this one's a, kind of an obvious one, but uh, Terry Beckner is one of the most disruptive forces, I think, on in the SEC on the defensive line. I think he's a guy that's very underrated because he does play for Missouri. Um, and I don't – again, I assume Jake Bentley is going to be at quarterback, but forever's back there. Um, he's a guy that can make life hell for an opposing quarterback. And he's also a guy that can be a disruptor in the run game. Um, because, again, I think another key for South Carolina on Saturday, they're going to need to run the ball effectively. I mean, that's just – that is a key to their success every time. We know that for a fact. Um, and that's actually, Tom, it's funny, not, try, not trying to backtrack to Kentucky. That's one thing we didn't talk about. South Carolina ran for over 100 yards uh, on Saturday. and still didn't Really? Go. Yeah, I think they ran for 120 yards, I believe it was. So, And still wow. got the, 
if you'd have told me that before the game, I would have thought South Carolina won by two or three touchdowns. So, um, but anyways, no, I, it's it, I, again that matchup is going to be so vital because South Carolina again they're going to need to get the running game going, open up holes for Rico Tyson, you know Mondens and AJ Turner, those guys, and obviously give whoever is behind center time to throw because uh, it's hard to make a good pass when you're on your back. So for, for sure, we definitely know that. Um, let's get into some big big keys of the game, Tom. I'll start. My biggest key of the game is is uh, anybody that knows this phrase, K-I-S-S, which stands for keep it simple, stupid. Um, Will Muschamp talked a lot about just going back to fundamentals. Uh, Debo Samuel talked about they had done a lot of pass-catching drills one and Tuesday. I, I assume that South Carolina in practice right now is really just going through the basics of everything. And for South Carolina, to me, on Saturday, they just need to come out and do the, the, the simple things right. You know, it's not about making the, the one-handed catches or, you know, making these incredible plays. It's just about not doing – being smart and doing the simple things right, not getting a 15-yard taunting penalty, not celebrating when you're down two touchdowns, not fumbling the ball on your own five-yard line. That, that's, that, that, that's a mental mistake. You know, Debo Samuel even talked about it. You know, the drops were due to a lack of focus. I mean, that's a mental mistake. He just told us right there what it was. So, you know, being able to go out there, just do the little things right and not let those things compound. Listen, if you lose to a better football team, that's something we can all just tip our cap and say, hey, you lost to a better football team. But when you beat yourself because you don't do the little things right, you're giving yourself absolutely no chance to win. So that's going to be my biggest key to the game. Tom, what's yours? Uh, mine's, of course, sort of similar to yours. It's just be mentally aware of what's going on. You know, I think you hit on it with J.C. Horn getting that 15-yard penalty on a fourth down, you know, gets less Kentucky have that automatic first. And, you know, shifts more, more momentum towards them. And, you know, another thing is Damani Staley, Staley getting that holding call that brings back Brian Edwards punt return to almost, you know, put would have put South Carolina really deep in Kentucky territory to start the drive off. Stuff like that kills your game and kills drives and something you can't have to beat good teams. You can't, you know, you can't let penalties and referees beat you when you're playing a top, you know, top 15 ranked team in the country. You just can't do it. If, you're, if we're going to have a chance against the really good teams, we have to be mentally aware of what's going on in our surroundings. Yeah, I 100% agree. And South Carolina is just not a good enough team at this point to overcome that those stupid plays. They're just yeah. they're just not. They're just not. So, all right, Tom, we're, we're going to move into uh, into our predictions. Going to put you on the spot once again, like I do every week. How do you see this game playing out? Uh, I'm going to go Missouri 35, South Carolina 21. I don't think we have what it takes to beat Missouri. I'm not going to pick South Carolina to win a game against a good team until they can actually do it. Because this year we're over two against good teams, and I don't feel like picking us until we actually win one of them. Yeah, no, I, I'm 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 picking Missouri as well, 27 to 17. Let's say 28 to 17, whatever if you will. Um, 28 to 17, I got the Missouri Tigers beating South Carolina. I, I agree with you 100%, Tom. I mean, this team, you know, I think there are some matchups you can win well, but there's nothing about this offense that's shown me that they're going to be able to keep up with Missouri. I just, you know, it would be obviously an extremely disappointing loss. It would be a detrimental loss to the season and the goals you had set out, but. I agree with you 100%. I, I don't understand. I don't see how you can watch this team last week and predict them to win this game. I just I just don't. I mean, I, the only thing I'll say, and that Brad Crawford also pointed out, a good friend of ours, uh, pointed out is that South Carolina is in a weird trend right now this season where they played a really good game, a really bad one, a really good game, a really bad one. Are they going to swing back around and play a really good game? I, maybe, maybe so, but I, they again, I'm on the same boat as you. They've got to show me before I pick them to win again. I just, yeah, I just, I can't do it. I mean, I can't, from what I saw from this team, I, I just can't do it. 
Um, we do have some listener questions I want to get into here really quickly. If I can just pull them up in just a second. Um, we've been putting all of our, you know, requests for questions on Instagram. They obviously have the question, um, the question thing you can put on your story. So it's been really cool. So let me pull these up really quickly because we got a, we got a ton of them. We really do appreciate it. Um, I'll pick out the best ones here. Uh, good buddy of mine. I'm going to address this one because it's a good buddy of mine, Brock. Brock Amoli, too. Time to clean house. I've already said no. The Spurs Up show does not does not endorse cleaning house, does not endorse firing anyone. As far as cleaning house for players, there are some guys I can say that admittedly that I cannot wait until they graduate. Um, I won't dive into who that'll be. Um, let's see. Let's see. Okay. Haig underscore Chapman 04 writes, could we see a backup quarterback against Missouri? Tom, what do you think? Uh, yeah, definitely. I don't know if you'll see Dak Joyner. Well, I don't know if you see Skarnakia and Dak Joyner, but I think you're going to see one of the two, if not both. Yeah. No, I, I, I think this is – I don't know if we will see to carry on Joyner. This is definitely the most likely game, though, as yeah. far as games played. That this is the most likely scenario he's coming in. I, I just – I, you know, they, Will Muschamp actually said today that the carry-on joiner got snaps with the first team. He was working with the ones today. So, if that doesn't tell you, that, that's, that to me speaks volumes. And, and just kind of real quick side note, Tom, are, how, are you surprised that he just jumped Jay Urich on the depth chart like that? I mean, that uh, quick, I mean. Not really. I mean, I don't, I don't – I think Jay Urich is a – he's probably a you know, really good quarterback, a guy that could have went and played at a smaller school and started, but I don't think he's the – Right. I don't think he's the guy that – he don't think he ever would have been the guy of South Carolina. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I was just curious. Um, let's see. Here's a good question. Mr. Underscore Incredible 01 asks, why doesn't A.J. Turner get more playing time? Um, I'll kind of take this one first. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I think – you know, I just think – I said this before. I think he's just been beaten out in practice by Rico Dowdle and Tyson Williams, but – those two guys appear to me, like we said, to be head cases. So, A.J. Yeah. Turner has done it for you in every scenario. I mean, I can't think of a big game in which he he has made a game-changing mistake. Can you? I mean, I, I can't really think of one. I mean, I think he's been a fairly solid player. But, again, he's another guy that he may not provide as much upside as those other guys, which, don't get me wrong, he provides upside because he can break one. I mean, he's – he had one on Saturday night that should have been a touchdown. He tripped over his own shoelace. Um, but he's a guy that's got talent. So, will he – you know, he's a guy maybe they should give an, give some more looks on Saturday. We'll, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that he's a guy that you kind of know what you're getting out of him. I don't understand why he's not getting as much reps. I think that, like Chris said, you're going to see a lot more out of him soon. Yeah, I, I, I would expect to see him play a lot more Saturday. Um Brosy L one three five seven asks, "Why can Coach Boom never beat an elite team in his South Carolina tenure?" Tom, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I don't think he has a team. I mean, what, what do you consider an elite team? I would consider the teams we play every year or who early are Georgia and Clemson, and we don't have a sixty-person roster who can a sixty. We don't have a team as deep as them, and it's not close. I mean, we as far as the starting 22, yeah, I take them against almost anybody, but you have to have depth to win games in the SEC and against a team like Clemson, who's a top-five program in the country, and Georgia's right there with them. I mean, it's, it's not something – you're not going to build it overnight and be able to beat those teams. But as far as being competitive with them, no, that's a different thing. I think we can be competitive with anybody. It's just it's just not there right now. Yeah, and again, like we talked at the beginning of the show, I think Coach Boom is – 
great coach X's and O's, but sometimes it comes down to Jimmy's and Joe's. That that's yeah. honestly that's kind of my two cents on it. Um, let's see, Mister Underscore Incredible O One again asks, why hasn't Bentley progressed after what a what was a promising start after season one? I, the, you know what the crazy thing about this is, it almost feels like he peaked at season one. He peaked against Tennessee. Um, his freshman season. I mean, we haven't seen him look that good since, I think, in a game that was at night in a big game. Have we? I mean, the way he's he changed back number four. That night, that's how he should be. That's how he would be better. Change back number four. Change back. That's it. Change numbers. But, you no, know, really just to answer the question, I just think men- mentally. I think the mental game, he hasn't, he hasn't progressed the way that we all thought he would. He's got arm talent. He's got, you know, he's a tough kid. But mentally, I just don't think he's got it. Um, Capped underscore way asks, with Josh Belk missing loads of playing time, do you think they'll keep or burn the red shirt, Tom? Uh, I'm going to go burn uh, right now, I'd say. But I, uh, that's a tough one. Uh, it depends on what week he comes back. If he's available against A&M, they're going to use him because he's a guy – because A&M's a, you know, turned to more of a personal offense with Jimbo Fisher. I think that he's going to be a guy that you're going to see a lot more out of against teams like that. But, I mean – Obviously, they could be selective in the way they play with him, but I would say burn at this point. Yeah, yeah, I, I think for sure. I mean, you well with must with Will Muschamp and the way he classifies injuries. You know, we thought DJ Wanham was going to be back for the Georgia game, and now he's out as long as he is. So I don't know how long he's going to be out with that ankle. I think if he's able to come back after you know during the bye week or something like that, it just depends on how quickly he can get in playing shape, in my opinion. Because yeah. You know, if he can't get in playing shape by the time you get like chat, like Florida, for example, or Ole Miss, I mean, I don't really see the point in that in that scenario. But we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Um, let's see here, Ranger Will Garrett. Not really a question, just said, well, kind of a question. Just says trashing our team hinders recruiting. So shut up, people. I agree. Um, but then again, this is freedom of speech, and people have the right to say whatever they want on social media. So it's kind of hard to control. If, um, I mean, if what a if what a fan says of a team influences that much of a recruit's process, then I, that recruit has a bad – that recruit has a really bad process. Well, and, and you know, I, I hate to tell people what they should do with their lives as far as social media, but if you're a big-time football player or some type of athlete in the national spotlight, just don't have social media. Like, what is the value of it at that point? I mean, because yeah. – <laughs> If you're a D1 – I mean, I don't, I don't like, think that – you, you first of all should never tweet a recruit ever. Yeah, I agree. No, we we – yeah, the Spurs Up show does not condone that, for sure. So, anyways, um, let's see. Mac Poplin, I'll kind of run through these really quickly. There's a lot of them. Mac Poplin, what was the hardest part of Kentucky game, drop passes or underthrown balls? I think it was a little bit of both. Um, yeah. J.R. McRae says, can I be a guest speaker? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Will underscore Rambo underscore Tom, I'll let you answer this one. Do you think that to carry on is the answer for the problem at quarterback or should we wait for Ryan Holinsky? Uh, wait for Ryan Holinsky. I think that to carry on is probably going to end up transferring after Holinsky comes in. Yeah. And then last question, we'll round it out with this one. Hunter Lee underscore 31 asks, what can we do better? And the answer is everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um, all right, cool. So that's going to wrap it up again. Uh, we're going to move into this interview with Brendan Anthony of the Mazad cast, the number one Missouri Tigers podcast on the internet. 
be sure to check out the Mazad cast. They're going to be breaking down the South Carolina game. Could probably give some pretty good insight as far as the Missouri Tigers are concerned. Um, before we do that, this interview is brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie, MyBookie.ag. If you're going to gamble this college football season, this NFL season during the MLB playoffs, be sure to go use our friends that sponsor the show. The guys over at MyBookie.ag do a phenomenal job. I use them myself. Um, those guys are absolutely dependable. It's really easy to use. They pay very quickly. So go be sure to create your account today. Go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code SPURS25, that's S-P-U-R-S-2-5, to get your first $1,000 match when you deposit, up to $1,000 match when you first deposit. Uh, they're also going to throw in an additional 25 bucks when you throw that 25 on the end of it. Winners only. We put out best bet every single week. So if you want to bet on the Gamecocks, God forbid, um, you can take a look, Tom. I gave everybody South Carolina money line a week ago, so you hopefully didn't cash in that bet, but this is the perfect week to start gambling, so be sure to go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code SPURS25 to get your first deposit matched up to 1000 bucks. Uh, again, remember, mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy this interview with Brendan Anthony. 